one of the things that mysticism talks about what's really there and not what we human beings make up along the way as reality. Essentially all of what we call reality is something that got made up. It depends on the society you're in. It depends on the culture you're in. It depends on the point in history that you're at. So there's a very important distinction between perception and knowledge and perception is what our eyes see, but it's also what the society we're part of sees that we get indoctrinated with. And then there's real knowing that's a step beyond belief. Mysticism is an experience. It's an experience of love. It's an experience of God. Hey everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the All the Best podcast. It's my own special blend of motivation and devotion designed to help you find all the best in life. I just believe there's always a way to make your life better. I want to help you get there. Nothing's going to be off limits in this show. We're going to talk to amazing people from all kinds of backgrounds, beliefs, and points of view. We're going to be bringing you insights, advice, and inspiration to guide you into the coolest chapters of your life and maybe help you actually enjoy your time here on planet Earth. So buckle up, kids. This is going to be fun. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. John Mundy an author, lecturer, the publisher of Miracles Magazine, and the executive director of All Faiths Seminary International in New York City. John taught university courses in philosophy and religion from 1967 to 2008 with a specialization in the history of mysticism. He is the author of nine books, and we talk about his latest book, Lesson 101, Perfect Happiness, a path to joy from A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles is a psychological training program designed to move the mind out of fear into love. I'm walking through the program over this entire year and John and I talk about how it empowers us to overcome the ego, guilt, and wrong-mindedness to live an abundant life. I even shared with John a mystical experience that I had about seven years ago when I was at a very low point in my life and how I've experienced a slow enlightenment to find my life again and how I felt compelled to share these truths with you. John drops a lot of powerful insights into our conversation that will help you find all the best in your life again as you awaken to the right-mindedness that God has designed you to have to use every day. So buckle up for this episode and get ready for some breakthroughs as you meet author, speaker, miracle maker, and my new best friend, Dr. John Mundy. Dr. John Mundy, welcome to All the Best. It's so good to have you here today. Thank you, John. Nice being with you. Well, I am twice through your book, Lesson 101, Perfect happiness, which is, which is a path to joy from A Course in Miracles, which I want to get into in a little while. Okay. But I am just fascinated with your journey from being a traditional minister to an interfaith minister, wow. and particularly your involvement with Helen Schuchman and Dr. Mark Wapnick back in the day okay. when A Course in Miracles was first being 
delivered to those guys. And would you be able to open up a little bit of what that was like for you and your, your early experience? Well, my earliest experiences, it's really rooted in mysticism, which I think that we all are. I mean, that there's some experiences there that, that even when we're children, children are very susceptible to mystical experiences more so than we might know. My, my six-year-old grand said, said something very strange just a couple of days ago. My wife said something to him about going to Disneyland and he said, is that a real place, you know, like, you know, or is that a fantasy or is that the kinds of stuff they see on television anymore? They got one of these big screen and there's these, this things for children. Now it's really strange. They, they pop in and out of cartoon characters and looking like they're real. Well, anyhow, putting that aside, I'm just saying that as for the child whose mind has not been too formed yet. Santa Claus is real. Angels are real. Uh, and angels, we would say, are real for us grown-ups too, right? So this distinction between fantasy and illusion and truth, and it's really something we're all trying to figure out along the way. And I was very curious, so I got involved in the church very early on. In fact, as I became a minister at the age of 18, I literally... Mm. had a church that I was serving. I won't go ahead and explain how that happened. Rural Missouri churches can't afford regular ministers. I registered for a pre-ministerial program when I was in college. They supplied country churches and these jobs were only given to juniors and seniors, but I got one when I was a freshman. And mm. it just, it's, it's just continued ever since this wanting to explore who doesn't want to know the truth. You know, who doesn't want to know what God is, what love is, who Jesus was and, and all of that and, and really know it. And that's one of the things that mysticism does. Mysticism talks about what's really there and not what we human beings make up along the way as reality. Much of the course of miracles is going to say though, essentially all of what we call reality is something that got made up. It depends on the society you're in. It depends on the culture you're in, it depends on the point in history that you're at in terms of what we see, we make real. Of course, there was a very important distinction between perception and knowledge. And perception is what our eyes see, but it's also what the society we're part of sees that we get indoctrinated with. And then there's, there's real knowing. There's people who come to know God. It's not a question. You know, it's, it's like if somebody to ask you, are you in love? And you say, well, I'm not, I don't know. Well, you're not. Because, you know, <laughs> if, if you're in love, you're going to say, yeah. Yeah, you'll know it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, well, you know, do you believe in God? Yeah. I mean, do, well, do you know God? Yeah. I mean, that's even a, a step beyond belief. It's, it's like what mysticism is, essentially. I've done two books on mysticism. Mysticism is an experience. It's an experience of love. It's an experience of God. And those kind of experiences, whether they, my original experiences all happen in nature, essentially, you know, as a farm boy in Missouri, we were very rural and out in the country and hunting. And I was once hunting in the woods and you know, you ever go hunting, if you ever went hunting, there's a thing where you do, where you just freeze, we call it freezing. We just stand perfectly still. So you don't make any noise. So the animals don't hear you. And for some reason, I don't know why, you know, why, but it was like, I slipped out. It's like, I stopped thinking which is what Zen is asking us to do. You know, 
you know, get, try to get to this point where you can stop making up the world, stop all this agitation stuff that's going on. And well, I did that for not on purpose, but I just like, and then I had, what, what's having this experience? And I heard a voice say, you believe me, whether you heard a voice or you, you don't hear a voice, but this is a part of mystical experience. Very simple, usually just a question or something. And the voice, all, all it said was, I said, what's having this experience? And the, the answer was, who wants to know? That's all it said. Which was just very, you know, like four or five words question. And I knew I'd really got to spend the rest of my life trying to answer that question. Well, the only place that was addressing that was a church. So I got involved and, and not only there, but went through seminary at Southern California School of Theology in Claremont, California, et cetera, and then came to New York to continue the, with my studies and, and work with, in philosophy and psychology, but trying to answer those questions. And then the Course in Miracles comes along and boy, that was the answer. I just, mm -hmm. there was it. I had done a lot of searching for it. I, in 1971, I went to India and I spent time in India. Uh, I studied with three different gurus there and they were all kind of interesting and impressive. But then I found out they had clay feet. <laughs> they were human after all. Yeah. They were human after all. Exactly. And not, not enlightened beings. It's not that they weren't smart people, but you know, you can't preach celibacy and not be celibate. You know, <laughs> you can either not be it or, or be it, but don't be, say you're one thing and do the other thing. That's exactly that sort of thing. You know, you gotta be honest and, and true. And so that's a part of why I became disillusioned with that. And, but in terms of all of the research that I was doing and the way I met Helen and Bill, Helen's the scribe of the course who wrote it down. These are really sophisticated people. I mean, we're talking about professors of psychology at Columbia University in New York. I mean, Ivy League University intellectuals. I mean, they really were deeply into researching right. what ego is, for example. And, and Helen, the most unlikely person in the world in some ways, actually atheistic <laughs> in background and beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Starts hearing the voice of the course. So she was the one who introduced me to the course. I won't go into explaining how I met her, but it was really simple. Actually, they came to a conference where I was a lecturer and that was in Chicago in 1973. And then the year after that, I wrote a letter, got published in the journal of transpersonal psychology, expressing interest in being in contact, <clears throat> excuse me, with people who are working in the fields of psychotherapy and spirituality. And Bill, who was Helen's cohort in production of the, of the course, saw the letter, told Helen he was, thought it was a call for her to complete the writing of a pamphlet called the psychotherapy purpose, process, and practice. She did that. She called me in April 73, no, April 75. We met in April 73 and said, I have something for you. <laughs> now it turned out we only lived a few blocks apart in New York city, which was really interesting. Wow. I know I could, I literally walked, uh, to her place. And then she told, along with Ken Bobnick, who has become the leading authority on the course of miracles. And they told me about the course and how it came into existence, how it affected them and got me started studying it. And that was 47 years ago and we're still studying it. <laughs> wow. That yeah. is fantastic. I mean, to be right there 
as it was coming to be. And now looking back a half a century later and seeing the millions of people who've been affected by it, yeah. that must be really kind of a, an odd feeling or, or how maybe how does that feel to look back and see how it has impacted the world? Well, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's an odd feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. And so far as it's like a certain element of destiny was in there. I mean, there actually is a line in the course of miracles, which says those who are to meet will meet. And you know, it's, it's no accident the people we meet along because there are teachers and, and, and vice versa, we we're teaching them as well, but they're on our path because we can learn something from them. And I could hardly have met better people in a way. Oh, wow. Yeah. So to sum up the course for those who may not be familiar. All right. Course in Miracles. It is a psychological course. It's not a religious no. course. It's not connected with any denomination or any particular faith. It's for anyone who desires to move from fear to love. How would you sum it up in that way? Well, pretty much the way you're going with it, it's, it's definitely not part of any denomination at all. It, there's no services, there's no church, there's no hierarchy, there's no board of trustees in essence. Well, there isn't a foundation for, and it right. published the course, but that's, you know, they published it and then let the course go out into the world. However, it's going to go out into the world. So people kind of find it on their own and then they come to it and then they start looking for more. So all it is for your audience, it's a, it's a textbook of 669 pages. There's a workbook with 365 lessons in it. So you do one of these, it takes a minimum of a year to get through it. And that's very, very important. That work, but that workbook kind of makes the course because it was just the book. It was just a textbook. There'd be some people that'd be studying it, but the very fact that we've got this ongoing process, because what it's trying to do is to help us to change our minds. I mean, to change the way we see things, and essentially, as you just said, it says on the very first paragraph, uh, to move from fear to love. Mm. And, and that's it. And it's a process because there is actually more fear in us than, than most of us know. And so we got a clean house. I mean, the course is at principle number seven of the 50 miracles principle says miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary first. First, we kind of got to clean out. We got to dump all the garbage. And I, by the way, I noticed the same tendency in mysticism. The book that I used to teach courses on mysticism at the state university was simply called mysticism by Evelyn Underhill. She has five stages that most mystics go through in the development of their mystical life. And the course describes six stages. They're identical when you put them over each other. There's just, I mean, and one of the, of the six, of course, contains two of the, of the ones that, that are in hell. Mm. Evelyn Underhill's book. Mm. So I love Evelyn Underhill and I, okay. I've always loved a quote that worship is the one total adoring response of man to the one God self-revealed in time, I think is exactly how that Oh, is. that's beautiful. Isn't that a beautiful quote? Oh, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. She's got yeah. it right there. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've tried to go deeper into some of that. In fact, I have mysticism, that book, I think. Oh, do you? How nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would love to take some of your courses on that, but so the, 
the Course in Miracles is really re reworking our minds from fear to love. Right. And I, I know personally, you know, just the depth of fear in life, times in my life that I could just go crazy with fear. And it's just, oh, yeah. it, it's a mindset. It is, it, it's a, it's a, just a way of life for so many of us huh. that the core, right. I mean, the course could yeah. bring such peace and be, be the answer in so many ways to, to deliver us from that fear. And in fact, your book that I mentioned earlier, Lesson 101, Perfect Happiness, A Path to Joy from A Course in Miracles. Why did you choose Lesson 101? Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Well, simply because Lesson 101 in the course of the 50, I mean, of the 365 lessons is God's will for you is perfect happiness. Well, a of course, but you know, who believe, I mean, you may, that sounds very nice, but how does that true in my life? And so that's, that's why. And also like when you go to school, very often you'll have a lesson on economics 101 or psychology 101 or, right. and, and it just so happens that 101 was this beautiful lesson of God's will for you is perfect happiness. So I mm. decided to, to focus on that because that's really what the course is about. The other thing that was, was really exciting about the course is, is as you work it, it works you. Love that. And the consequence is you really do become more happy. I mean, you do uh, essentially because you let go of so much junk and so many anxieties and so much neurotic nonsense that you just don't need. And you start seeing things in a cleaner, clearer way. Largely because what you're doing with your life is that you're giving your love away. You're just give, 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 giving your love away. Every human encounter that you got throughout the day, put your work to your dog, to your washing dishes, to whatever it is that you're doing. And it works. Mm. It's so simple in some ways, but there is a lot of work to do in doing the course because we all have so much stuff that's buried in there that needs to be cleaned out and we don't even recognize that it's true. It's nothing shameful because it's there for everyone. The course is, even says at one point that there's a, a certain kind of existential guilt that just goes along with the fact that you've got a body and, 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 and the body is separate from other bodies and from the whole and from, from God. And, and the course is very, very clear. You're not a body. I mean, you're, you're not a body at all. I mean, temporarily, yes, in space time, 80, 90 years, you're, you're a body, but that's it. And in relationship to eternity, infinity, it, bar it barely counts at all. It doesn't count at all mm. because eternity is something totally different outside. It's not, and heaven, by the way, is not a place or a condition. It's not, there are no stores and cars. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, who's going to drive on the streets of gold if we don't have any cars? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I know a funny joke about that, but I won't take the time to tell it. <laughs> uh, oh, well, why, why not? <laughs> okay. Well, there's this guy that, that, uh, keeps saying that he, he keeps praying to God. He's got to talk to him. 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 And uh, he just nags every night. God talked to me and finally gets a breakthrough and he gets to talk to God. And he said, God, can I bring something with me when I come to heaven? Because absolutely not. Nobody brings anything. You've got to come in here straight. The guy just persists and persists. And he says, all right, all right. I'll make an exception this one time. 
You can bring one thing with you, but that's it. Okay. Well, a few days later, the guy dies. In the meantime, he goes out, sells everything he has, buys all these bars of gold, puts them into a suitcase, <laughs> shows up in heaven with a suitcase. And St. Peter says, you can't bring that in here. And he says, well, God, God gave me permission. God doesn't do that. He said, yeah, no, God, call God. God will tell you. He, says, he calls God and says, look, I got this guy at the gate here. The, he's got this suitcase full of gold bars. And he says, you could tell it would be okay. To, oh yeah. That was that one exception I made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell him, but you got to look inside the suitcase first and see what it is. And he looks at it and he looks at it and he says, you brought paving stones? That's <laughs> bringing pavement to heaven. <laughs> Hilarious. Man, our concepts of all that are just so whack. You know? oh, yeah. Uh, and, and even earlier when you were talking about, you know, God's will for us is happiness, as the court right. says. Why is that so hard to believe? Why, why do we impose so much unhappiness on ourselves and the world? Right. Well, of course, as we all have one major problem <clears throat> and the one major problem is of course calls the authority problem. Mm. And what the authority problem comes down to is this is all related to the fact we were all got egos, What it all comes down to <clears throat> is saying to God, well, thank you very much, God, but I'd rather do it myself. Mm. I'm going to do it my way. And God says, go ahead. I mean, you know, you've got free will, but. You know, but you're going to mess it all up. You're going to screw it. If not, you know, I, you could be following my guidance and direction, but if you want to do it your own way. And so we go out and we build temples and, and, and do all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. things yeah. that the ego wants to do that aren't in alignment with eternity. And then we finally get frustrated with that. And some people wake up by having some sort of crash and burn experiences. And hopefully you, you wake, wake up in a more gradual sense, you know, Jim Carrey, the famous actor, he, he said at one point, I wish everybody could get rich and famous and get everything they want, just like me. And then they realize that's not what you want because you don't realize it's not what you want until you, you know, you keep, you keep thinking that that's important, but that doesn't mean anything compared to the value of love in your heart. And you can have that with anybody at any time. Mm, that, that really is powerful. And yeah, I. I had an experience about seven years ago now, I had transitioned out of a, a position that I loved that I thought would go on for a long, long time. And it ended pretty badly for me and yeah. went into this dark place. Yeah. And I've, you know, been in ministry for a long, long time, four decades, yeah. you know, at pretty high levels and all of this. And when, when that situation came to an end abruptly for me, I lost who I was. I lost mm. an identity, if you will. Yeah. I, lo I lost, I lost something that, that I thought made me happy. Right. You know, relating it to that topic. I, it was who I was. It was my ego's identity. And right. I, I derived my joy sure. and my sense of being from being that and, you know, on the platform in front of a lot of people sure. all the time. And, and when it ended, John, I, I really did not know who I was anymore sure. and went into a really dark place. And I was walking in my neighborhood. It was a really hot June day and I was depressed and miserable and wandering around trying to figure out what was going on. And I heard a voice and I, it, it wasn't the typical voice of God that I would have 
you know, thought right. was him. Yeah. And the voice said to me, you're not even being a good human right now. Whoa. And I just stopped. I could take you to the exact square in the sidewalk in the like neighborhood yeah. and show you that place. And I, I stopped and <laughs> I, I just didn't even know what to make of it. Right. Yeah. But that was the beginning of a, a new journey for me. Sure. It's like, well, okay, I forget, you know, mega faith in God or, you know, what were miracles for me in that season. But what does it mean to be a good human? You know? Yeah. Very good question. And, and it started me into this whole new season of, of just asking that question. What does it mean to, and, and I'll tell you what it meant for me internally was, uh-huh. What are the basic God-given powers in a human being that make life good, if that's not too convoluted? Yeah. And it, so it's, it started me, it, it's brought me to, to this moment of talking with you yeah. and expanded my consciousness. I wouldn't call it an enlightenment experience, but I would call it kind of, I call it the, the big rebuke from God. <laughs> The BRFG, <laughs> whether it was my own soul or mind or, or what, but you know what? My life's better. And now oh, sure. and it's like, the, I, w- I would not trade what it was a loss for me back in that moment to that moment of feeling challenged or rebuked sure. to, and the journey in my reading and my studying. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's been a slow enlightenment process sure. and. Dude, I had no idea how out of control my ego really was. Most and people don't. Nobody does hardly. You know, the fear and the anxiety and the control. Man, I just didn't, I just didn't know. And it, it's, I guess maybe that's, you know, the, the truth that, that deceived people or blind people don't know that they're deceived or blinded to that type of thing. So it's sure. been amazing been amazing and brought me to A Course in Miracles. My friend Dean, give Dean a big shout out. Dean and I have been studying the course every day. We meet weekly, but we've been going through it daily, uh, the mm-hmm. workbook. Right. And it's challenging, you know, oh, yeah. it, to let go of some of the concepts that are so dear to us, sure. you know, so, but I, but I feel that it's working. I don't know how much proof <laughs> I have, but, but I, you know, but I, I feel changed. I feel sure. that I, I'm right. much more aware now there you go. when I'm making ego-based decisions, especially when it comes to fear and that type thing. So it's, it's powerful stuff. Now in, in your book, I've been spending a little time today in particular. It's so rich. I recommend this book on all of your work, but in a lesson 101 in chapter five, Today, I was kind of meditating with you around right-mindedness and wrong-mindedness. Would you open that up a little bit for us? Well, in a very simple way, you were already talking about it in part by, <clears throat> by talking about the ego. And so the ego would be the wrong-minded thinking. It's the thing that it's very selfish and self-concerned and egotistical and literally in that terms of what, terms of what that means. That's the wrong mind. That's the insane mind. Another word is insane mind. We could also use that. I, I could pose to the sane mind or the mind that's really, and this is a very important point in terms of the course, it's being guided. <clears throat> it's a guided life. So, and the guide is the Holy Spirit. 
or Jesus, you know, or, but the, the, the way the Course expresses it, at the time of the separation, the separation is the Garden of Eden story. At the time of that, that mythology, but, you know, take it, that it, it's a myth, but at the same time, it's very important because it does describe a kind of event which occurred in human consciousness where we kind of broke away from God. That's where we say, thank you very much, God. I drew it for the day myself. Right. Of course, God did not drive Adam and Eve out of the, the garden. We chose to leave. We said, you know, I want to do it myself. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're the ones that went off the other way. Well, that begins the wrong-minded process, which we then have to work on to get back. <clears throat> we got to cure that. By curing that, it's just to realize that it is insane, that it, we're never going to do it by our, on our own, that we've got to do it in cooperation with a higher power, uh, which is God or, and with this guy, this wonderful guy, everybody on earth has got the same guy. However, you know, depending on your culture and your tradition, it's going to have a different name or a different kind of historical presence in the world for Christians. It's the Holy spirit, you know, for, for somebody in Africa, it's Wanotongo, which is right, you know, but it's the same idea. You know, that it's not just up to you to figure it out. Thank God you couldn't figure it out. <laughs> but we're here in this world in part in order to, this place is a school. That's the best way to put it. It's a school. It's a hospital. <laughs> right. Yeah. A hospital is reformatory. It, and the course actually uses the word prison at a few points because you, you may like you're kind of trapped in this form yeah. in this body in the yeah. world. But we're here to learn something. If we can learn it, we're learning our way back home. And that's why it's a course. And <clears throat> that's why we have a textbook, workbook, teacher's manual. Helen was a professor. Right. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be surprised if we got a course. But like you say, it's not a religion. There's no rites. There's no rituals. None of that kind of stuff going on. That's all kind of in a way in course terminology. That's magic. I'm going to say some hocus pocus, some, some words that are going to, I'm going to praise God. Like God doesn't need to be praised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God knows who he is. He, God didn't have an ego is the best way to put it. <laughs> mm, mm. That, that's the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very powerful thing you just said. And I, I began to believe a number of years ago that all of the worship songs and everything that we're participating in at church is really for us. You know, it's re- reminding us who God is because you can't remind yeah, that's true. who he is, right? Well, you know, along that right-mindedness and wrong-mindedness in that chapter, you were talking about guilt and how oh. guilt guilt makes us sick sure. uh, as we perpetuate illusions onto the world and even hiding guilt in the body. And, sure. And, that's just a powerful concept for me. And I know that we all feel guilt in some way. Sure. Oh, yeah. Maybe some of us more than others for deeds done in the body or, or what, what yeah. deeds left done, done or left undone. Either way. How, what do you mean about that and guilt even hiding in the body? Uh, how do you mean that? Well, one of the ways that, that, that one, because we feel, we feel guilty because we're separate, but we're, we separate ourselves from God. Then we do selfish things, which makes us feel really guilty, especially if you hurt somebody else, then you got to feel really, really guilty. The fact is an interesting line, of course, 
you cannot hurt someone else without hurting yourself. Mm. Right. And a very important principle, it, the, the idea of karma, what goes around comes around or Jesus, as you give, so do you receive. That's a very important principle. But that's why the course is really about skating to give your love away. If you want to find out what love is, give it away. You know, it's going to start coming back at you. It's, it's that simple. Well, the same works in reverse. If I take away, if I rob, if I steal, if I hurt, if I, you know, then I'm condemning myself right there in that, in that whole part. And that's guilt. And I feel awful. I feel terrible. I hurt somebody. Oh my God. I, 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 I caused another soul to cry or, you know, I, I was no mind time. When I was 22, I got married when I was 22 and divorced at 23, not that because there was anything wrong with this lovely lady I married. I just realized I was not ready. I was not ready to be married. I was not ready to start having kids doing that. I wanted to go see the world, which I wound up doing, you know? So I felt awful that I hurt this part. Oh, I, I wrote a little story about it called here I come guilty or not, you know, which, which sort of explains the thing, cause you never want to do that. But then, which makes you more aware of being being more careful in, in your decision-making and if you don't make choices to like 50% of everybody gets married, gets divorced. 60% of those who get married for the second time, get divorced. Mm. 73% of those who get married the third time, get, it just keeps getting worse. Wow. You know? And after that, you know, it's like you, you quit. <laughs> right. Just give up on that. You give up on that. You know, we're just going to live together and, and, and let it be what it is and not worry about that sort of thing. But. What's really important is to be able to look at the guilt and, and recognize, first of all, the most important thing, God does not condemn you. That's a very important, <clears throat> God does not condemn. That's a really big point, especially in relationship to traditional Christianity. There is no such thing as unforgivable sin. You know, mm. God just sees that his child is out there making some mistakes. And by the way, we learn through our mistakes. You know, it's, it's not a fun way to learn. It's not the best way to learn. You could just get this, but we stumble and fall. And you know, that experience that you went through, whatever it was, that's a profound learning experience for you. Mm -hmm. Very much. That, that helped you to wake up. The course calls that experience, by the way, a turning point. You, you, mm -hmm. that's a definite turning point. You went after that, you had to go in a different direction. It couldn't be, <clears throat> you couldn't go back to the old way. That wouldn't be possible anymore. So you had to find a new way and then the new way becomes becomes available to you once you open, once you open up to that possibility. Mm. So that's what you want. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it is not a fun way to learn. <laughs> you, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of an epochal shift, you know, or the tectonic plates, you know, under the earth felt like they were shifting and everything mm. just melted away. But, you know, just in recognizing that I was carrying bitterness and anger right. and sure. all of these, these toxic emotions that not only were aimed at other people, but, but were deeply aimed at myself, you know, and I really found myself in a deep apathetic place. I was never really suicidal, but I could have gotten there because, you know, the word apathy really means hopelessness. You know, mm. it's not that you don't care, it's you can't care. You're, you're so far down. And I really found myself there, mm. John, in, in, in yeah. a very miserable way. So I'm very grateful for that voice that spoke to me on the slide oh, yeah. that day. So, By the way, I noticed that voice usually appears at that point. 
It usually appears when we're at the bottom of the bottom mm. and you really need help. Yeah. And you're kind of crying out, I really need help. And then the voice comes. Now it comes right then and there. Mm. One guy told me just real quick, he, about his, he had just been fired from his job that he had important job. He, he was actually escorted to the door. Mm. One of those situations, right? And going out and he goes, help to the universe. Yeah. <laughs> and he hears, you just got help. You weren't happy here. Yeah. You know, you're going to be able to find some place where you're going to be happy now. You know, <laughs> he just didn't know it. You just didn't, just didn't know. You just got help. Well, tell us about Miracles Magazine and, you know, some of the books. How, uh, what are you into? What's next for you? Are you working on more material? I mean, you're, sure. you're doing so much, but uh, help us, uh, give us a little right. insight into what you're doing there. Well, I started Miracles Magazine back in 1985 when actually as a pastor of a church, one of the fellows who was member of the church was leaving, going someplace else. And he said, you know, I know you write out your sermons. If I give you a dollar a week, would you be willing to Xerox that sermon, put in envelope and send it to me? I said, sure. I thought, well, I'll send one to my mother and my sister and, you know, and anybody else was, they'd have to give me a dollar a week too. And I'm talking about 36 years ago when, when this guy started and it just kept developing. Well, I could put some poems in here and I kept adding things. I used church worship bulletins for the covers and stapled it myself. And it just kept growing very slowly, but it kept growing. And with the course of miracles is my primary emphasis. And now we're, we're all color. We weren't all color back then. I've got an editor who does a really great job on it. And it just, it's growing very slowly, not, but a lot of magazines died and we haven't died. We're still hanging in there, despite the fact that like the cost of printing has gotten really expensive. Mm. But that's okay because we get help along the way. So mm -hmm. that's why Miracles Magazine got started. If anybody's interested, they just go to miraclesmagazine.org and we'll send them a sample copy or they can subscribe. The other things I'm primarily doing, of course, I'm working on the book. I'm working on a couple at the moment, actually. Actually, I'm working on three, but then I mean, <laughs> I've got one coming out really, really soon. I mean, before this year is over. When COVID hit, I was teaching the course in Manhattan called Miracles in, in Manhattan, and that's on YouTube. And all of a sudden that brought everything to a screeching halt. And it's, it's, it's sort of no accident that YouTube immediately was there for us to use to start teaching. And so I started teaching that and I, my assistant persuaded me to begin writing a, a it's called Sunday with Monday. It's a little mm -hmm. piece that comes out on every Sunday morning, which is you know, you've been writing, I've been writing sermons for 60 years. Wow. Oh, it's a habit. Yeah. Right. But it's a wonderful, wonderful habit. I mean, you know, to think that you have to think these things through on a weekly basis and go deep into, into under, trying to understand what this is all about. It's a blessing as you must know, as a pastor yourself to have to do that. My goodness. So that got kind of popular now, and that's, that's also going on. And I teach two classes on teach a Tuesday night and a Thursday afternoon class on the course online. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's really interesting is that I used to spend most of my time, not most of my time, a lot of my time traveling, lecturing all over the country. And literally I think I did 46 of the States and airplanes, rental cars, hotels, 
give a lecture, make $4,000. I just spent $3,000 in order to make this $4,000. Right. Now I sit on my front of my computer and everybody shows up on the screen. I don't have any overhead expenses like that at all. <laughs> right. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. It really and no, is. No more wear and tear on your body like that. So, yeah, true. Yeah. I have over a million miles with Delta Airlines uh -huh. traveling around the world. And I could care less if I ever get on an airplane again. Right. So and that's awesome. And then you also have events. I'm actually signed up for a couple of your events coming up. The Sebastian Blacksley. Blake. Is that Blacksley? Blake. Blake. Blakesley. Okay. Yeah. And that event, and then another one coming up in June. So I'm very excited about that. And just appreciate all that you're bringing. You have certainly impacted my life oh, with good. these books. And we will put all of your information in the show okay. notes and sure. make your resources available to our listeners. Alrighty. So what's the one thing you would say as we wrap up? What's the one thing, one piece of advice you'd give to someone who is unfamiliar with A Course in Miracles, but curious enough to start into the workbook? Well, the main thing about the course is that it works. It transforms people's lives. It helps them to begin to see more clearly without all the fog and helps them to get down to what's really essential. And again, that's love. Love is the most essential thing here, but it opens you up so that you can be love yourself in a more direct way. And that, and because that grows, that's very, very exciting. You just feel it. You feel the love in your heart going out progressively all the time. There's no anger. There's no attack. Very often when I'm like doing a talk, Somebody will ask a similar question to what you always say, what, give us a giveaway. And I'll say, well, if you don't get anything else out of that, just understand, do not attack. Yeah. Do not, you don't do it in thought. Don't do it with your words. Don't do it in deed. You know, that the problem is not out there in the world. The problem isn't somebody else. You know, it, that's not where the problem is. The problem is in seeing the vision. When you look with love onto and that's what Jesus was. I think Jesus essentially is someone who, who woke, recognized who he was. I am the father or one. I, who's God? God's love. Right. That's the basic definition for God. And, and was able to demonstrate that and also got a bunch of people upset with him. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Got the establishment <laughs> upset, <laughs> which led to the cross, which led to the resurrection, uh, which is the unique part about Christianity. I'm a Christian, even though I'm not a traditional Christian at all, that part, that part's never been lost. Mm. I mean, I, I clearly would say that Jesus is my savior and, and, mm. and clearly mean that because it's true. Right. But it's also what, what Jesus represents is the love of the father. And once you see that, that really makes it very, very simple. Mm. So, just a, a little bit more. So when we talk about and when I say do not attack and that, that guilt thing, going back to the guilt thing, there's two ways that that goes. One way is it goes out. So I attack somebody or some idea, some concept that's different from me, or I attack myself. If I attack myself, that's the guilt being placed onto the body. And that can lead to disease mm. and, and really being unhealthy, unhealthy mind leads to the unhealthy body. Right. And then, and you don't even know where that comes from, but the next thing you know, you got a problem 
that you've stored mm. in your body. Mm. And then we're literally sick. Right. So it helps. Right. That's the miracle <laughs> mm. of the transformation right there. Wow. And perfect love cast out all fear. Exactly. And yeah. wow. Dr. John Monday, thank you so much. Thank you, John. It's nice meeting you and being with you. Would love to have you back on the show again. All righty. Thanks, bro. Thanks for hanging out with me today on All the Best. If you like the show, be sure to share it out with your family and friends on your social media and drop me a line at john at johnchism.com. I would love to hear from you. I also want to invite you to jump over to my site right now to sign up for my free 31-day motivational email series. It's designed to help you go for all the best in life. If you're needing some real change, fresh motivation and inspiration, this could be just the thing to get you going. You can find it at johnchism.com and I'll see you next time.